Amen. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me. Um, we're going to pray. And um, Michael, glad to see you here this morning. So good, good to see you. And uh, some friends of mine, we, well, we, they're friends of mine now. Amen. They drove all the way from Louisiana. Amen. Brother Jake and his wife, Brooke, we're glad to have you all here. And um, they've traveled a long way to be here with us, be in service. And uh, thank God for that. They came to the crusade the last couple nights. And um, their family was here during our camp meeting. And uh, just another testimony to what Isaiah and uh, what Brother Brian were doing with YouTube and on Facebook Live. They've been watching. He's in the Navy in New Orleans. And they've been watching our services and said that they just draw strength. Amen. From the services. And so we just thank God for y'all. Amen. They're a precious family. And so... We just thank God for them here this morning. Amen. You never know what God's doing. You just have to trust that everything that we face and everything that we fight, Jesus is worthy. Amen. He's worthy. And so then you just hear testimonies of things that God is doing and you just rejoice in that. Amen. Um, I want to get right to the word this morning. If you all will just continue to pray for these needs that are here and and we just we're just believe in God to meet these needs. Amen. First um, Peter chapter five. Um, I'll start in, in verse six, and it says this: Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Thank you for standing this morning. Casting all your care upon Him. For he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary. Somebody say, I have an adversary. <laughs> the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace, aren't you thankful that he is that? He's the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever. And ever. Amen. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you for tonight, for today, and I thank you for this opportunity, God, to be in your house, Lord. And God, I just I just know, Lord, that this is a now word for today, God. And Lord, so many things, so many people are hit on every side. But God, you're the God of all grace. And Lord, you see everything that we're facing. You see everything that we're walking through, Lord. God, nothing has taken you by surprise, not any attack, not a devil, nothing has taken you by surprise. And so, God, we thank you that you are the God of all grace. In the middle of the fires and the trials that we're facing and walking through, you are faithful, God, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I titled this message today, The Best is Yet to Come, Awakened by Grace. The best is yet to come, awakened by grace. Satan seeks as we suffer. Amen. 
Have you ever noticed that as you're in the middle of suffering, that you just feel the pressures of the enemy more than you do at any other time in your life? Because here's the thing the Bible says here in 1 Peter. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Amen? And then it goes on to talk about why we suffer. Amen? In the middle of suffering. And so when does Satan come and when do you hear Satan the loudest? It's probably not when you're in the middle of a worship service where things where you feel God, where you know God is there, but maybe whenever you're isolated, maybe when you're lonely, maybe when you feel like you're the only one facing some trial or some trouble or some suffering, amen? The devil, the accuser of their brethren will come to you and say, you can't talk to anybody about what you're facing. Nobody will understand what you're going through. Nobody else has ever felt the pain that you're feeling, and the devil gets very loud because that's what he is as of a roaring lion but he cannot do anything he's a roaring lion that has no teeth he only has a loud roar amen but I thank God for the lion of the tribe of Judah this morning he does have teeth and he will rise up and he will wage war for you and I amen and so don't think it don't think don't take it by surprise when you hear the devil in the middle of suffering amen listen to this the Bible says that we're called to suffer. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through what? The things that he suffered. Amen. How many of you here this morning like to suffer? Nobody. You do, Miss Georgia? (laughs) I guess Miss Georgia does. Praise God. You're the only one. Amen. I don't. I don't like suffering. Amen. I can assure you. When I got saved, I thought all that stuff left. But guess what? It didn't. There's a call to suffering. Amen. There's a call to suffering. Satan seeks out us as we suffer, looking for ways to get in and cause us to stumble and walk away. You ever been tempted by the devil whenever you're in the middle of suffering and the devil says, if you'll just walk away, it won't be that hard. (laughs) If you'll just give up now, it won't be that bad. You can walk away right now. He gives you a free ticket, don't he? But here's the thing. It's monopoly money. (laughs) Amen. There's eternal consequences. But Satan surely breathes loud and he will convince you. He will do his best to convince you that it's easier if you'll just walk away in the middle of suffering. Guess what I found out? The devil will leave and give you promises. I'll give you this if you'll do this. He tempts us to walk away. Amen. And he causes things to look very good. Suffering. What does suffering mean? means to be affected by something from without. <laughs> you ever felt like everything was coming against you from the outside? Amen. And man, just what else can hit me? What else can go wrong? You ever said that? I've learned not to say that because a lot more can go wrong. Amen. A lot more can go wrong. Affected by something from without to undergo an experience. Not a good one. <laughs> Used of evil to be subject to evil. To be inflicted with harm or with or being oppressed. To be afflicted or vexed. Have you ever been there before? Listen to this. Here's hope for this. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Not just some of them. I'm going to read that again. Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord 
delivers them out of them all. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, the promises of God. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far greater, more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not to that which is seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You may see your circumstances and your situations right now. Everything that y'all are facing, things look dim. But can I tell you, there is something far greater. There is an eternal weight of glory. Amen. That tells me that the glory of God has a weight to it. Amen. If you were to put the glory of God on a scale, there's no telling what it would weigh. Listen to me this morning, church. I know it's hard right now. Many of us are facing, going through times of suffering. We don't understand what God is doing. We just feel vexed. We feel afflicted. We feel pressed on every side. But God is saying, don't look to your circumstances that you see right now. They are but for just a moment or even just a minute. Somebody needs to know you're about to come through of the hell that you're facing and the pressure that you're fighting. God sent me to this house this morning to say when you come out the other side, you're going to look back and you're going to say, I'm ready for the next trial because the weight of the glory of God is going to be worth everything you just walked through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the word of the Lord for our light affliction. We say, well, it don't feel light, but to Jesus it is light. Amen. He endured the cross and it was joy for him, which is but for a moment. Can I tell you, his moments feels like a lifetime this year. I don't know why, but when God gave me this scripture, I had you on the forefront of my mind the whole time. God wants you to know it's just for a moment what you're facing. It's just for a moment. It's just for a moment. And it works for us. You know, Satan thinks that he has us, but even our suffering works for good. (laughs) It works for us. And Satan thinks that he has us, and he gives us bargains. Why don't you walk away right now? Because something far better is working for me. And so the devil, I'm I'm not giving in to you. Because Jesus is working in me for my good. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Let's just read a few verses here. Romans chapter 8 verse 18. Hallelujah. Romans 8 verse 18. For I reckon... That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Whew. I'm going to read that again. Amen. That should have got somebody running and shouting right there. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We have to go through some things. 
Amen. In order for the glory of God to be evident and radiant in our life, if we're going to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus, then guess what? We're going to have to face some things like Jesus faced. Amen. We don't have to face what he faced. He faced and took those things for us, but we do have to carry our cross, and we are going to be appointed times and seasons of suffering, but I thank God that he's the God of the seasons, and when he gets ready for that season to shift, then guess what? There's nothing that nobody can do to stop it because the times and the tables are going to turn and the leaves are going to begin to grow and things are going to begin to be resurrected and life is going to come. You may see death right now. I just need to tell somebody, you know, you may be facing a time or a season where it's cold, where it's dark, where it's dreary, but can I tell you in the winter time is when that tree that is growing gets as strong as strength. Amen. In the winter time, the sap, why do the leaves die and fall away because everything that's in the top is going back down into the ground and it's going and it's extending them roots to deeper depths and to further places. Amen. But whenever the sun begins to shine and the sun begins to warm up, can I tell you, the strength of that root now begins to go a little bit higher. Somebody needs to know this morning you may be in a winter season right now, but I can tell you the Holy Ghost is going deeper and the grace of God is making you stronger but hold on just a little bit longer brother bug because we're about to grow into places and to heights that we've never known and I can tell you when you grow higher with the grace of God he's going to be able to trust you with more through every season of suffering I've ever been through God always gave a greater measure of glory through it you know what he always taught me because something good would always I didn't understand why I was facing what I was facing And I would ask God, I would beg God, get me out of this. He said, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm teaching you. And I wouldn't understand things. I wouldn't understand persecution. I wouldn't understand hatred. I wouldn't understand people talking. I wouldn't understand these things. But man, it was like one day I just stepped through. And it was like it was gone. And it was like that day that I stepped through. Something of the glory of God would come. And you know what I heard God say, Sister Amy? I had to see if you'd be faithful through the suffering because I couldn't have trusted you with this had you not been faithful through that. Can I tell you, there's times that God tries our hearts. He tests us to see what's in us. And sometimes he tests us and proves us to show us what's in us, just like he did Peter. You see, Peter didn't know what he was capable of doing. He thought that he meant what he said, but Jesus had to show him, you don't mean that. (laughs) Let me show you, Peter, what's really in you. Let me show you what's there. Amen. Listen to this, Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Have you been persuaded yet? (laughs) 
that no matter what we face, listen to this, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, no height, no depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through can separate you from the love of God. Our God is going to fight for you and bring you through the battle. He's going to. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 14. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 14. But, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. How many of you suffered for the world? Anybody ever suffered for sin when you were in the world? You suffered a lot? We would be willing to go through anything just to get what we wanted. We didn't care who we hurt. We didn't care what it did. We didn't care the effects of that sin, did we? But we knew we were suffering. But now we get born again and a little suffering comes our way and we don't like it. We get mad with God. But yet think about it. To suffer for righteousness sake. Amen. So how many of you can say, I'm glad. To suffer for Jesus. Amen. Because we used to suffer for the devil, didn't we, Sister Karen? We didn't care what anybody thought. We would suffer. But think about it now. Amen. Now, if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror. We don't have to be afraid of the devil in the middle of suffering. He's a liar. Send him back where he belongs. Amen. Hallelujah. First Peter 4.1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Amen? But to the will of God. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures at first, but I just want you to hold on to these. Philippians chapter 1. Verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Whew. Not just to believe on him, but to suffer for his sake. Can I tell you, suffering's part of salvation. <laughs> suffering's part of salvation. Amen? It just is. I'm sorry. Because in the middle of suffering, it makes us more like Christ. Amen? It makes us more like Christ. Now Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 and then we're going to get to the word. Philippians 3 verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That I may know him. How many of you really want to know him? and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. How are we going to get to know who Jesus really is in the fellowship of sufferings? Because it's in those times of suffering that I really get to know who Christ really is. He becomes intimate with me. We read last week, John 15, I abide in him. He abides in me. 
in the fellowship of sufferings. Amen. That that does not produce fruit, you cut it off. That produces suffering. Amen. When you begin to lose people, whenever people walk away, we begin to understand what Jesus is doing. Amen. We begin to understand his grace. We must be awakened by grace. So somebody needs to know this morning, whatever you're facing, whatever you're walking through, amen, I can tell you that you're about to come out of it on the other side. Amen. We're about to come out of it on the other side. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish you, strengthen, and settle you. Amen. I looked up what that word after a while. Does that mean I got to wait till suffering gets over before the glory comes? No, no, no. That's not what it means. That word in the middle of. Amen. Almost brief. Of uncertain divinity. Somewhat. A few. A little. Not very long. A season. A small bit. A while. A degree of intensity. Can I tell you? It's really but a short time what you're facing right now. And God's not going to wait to do and bring about his glory in your life on the other side of that but when you get to the other side of suffering he's saying hold on he said because you're about to experience the goodness of my grace in ways that you've never experienced that before amen the first thing that he's going to establish in your life in the middle of suffering and on the other side of that is he's going to perfect his work on the inside of your life amen listen to this somebody needs to get a hold of this this morning. That word perfect means to render or to fit, to mend what has been broken, to repair, to complete, or to make one what he ought to be. Amen. To make one what he ought to be. What is he saying? Well, you've not been walking. You've not been who I need you to be. And so what is it going to bring about that in my life? God knows that he loves us and nothing can separate me from the love of God and his grace. He the God of all grace. So what does he do? He keeps his hand upon our life as we walk through trials and troubles and fires of life, brother Buck. He keeps his hand upon us. Why? Because he's God and he can do that. The devil may think that he has us in the middle of a fight of our life. Oh, but God said I'm the God of all grace. I see your pain. I see your trouble. I see the fight that you're in. Oh, but listen, Marty, God's grace has you in the palm of his hand he's not taken by surprise he said I gotta make you who you ought to be because you're not that right now (laughs) you're not that right now and I thought about Joseph his father gave him the coat of many colors but was his character ready to wear the coat (laughs) was his character ready to wear the coat of many colors I don't think it was or else God in his goodness and in his grace wouldn't have allowed him to be cast into the pit. You may feel abandoned by everybody. But let me tell you, it's not over until God said it's over. You may feel like you're in the pit this morning, but I got good news for you. Old Judah was spurred. Old Judah was stirred to walk by that pit. And he said, hey, if none of the other brothers are going to go get him out, he said, then old praise will go get him out. Somebody needs to know this morning, if you find yourself stuck in a pit, if you'll lift up holy hands and begin to worship God, let me tell you, praise will get you out. 
of the pit every time. It may be dry down in the pit. It may be dark in the pit. But let me tell you, just know that God counts you worthy this morning to suffer for his name's sake. And if we'll praise God in the middle of a pit, he'll pull us out. It don't make sense to praise God. Here's what the devil will do. He'll make us feel guilty. (laughs) He makes us feel guilty to lift up holy hands. You deserve to be in the pit. I may. We all do. But God deserves my praise. (laughs) You're right, devil. I do deserve to be in this dry, dark pit. But my God deserves my praise more than I deserve to be in this pit. (laughs) Amen. You see, what was God doing? He was doing something different in Joseph's life. You see, because our God is everywhere at all times. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He he knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's everywhere. And so what did God know? God knew that I'm going to set him in the palace. But before I can trust him in the palace, he has to go through the pit. He has to be accused in Potiphar's house. He has to be falsely accused. Sometimes you just have to go through some things. I said, sometimes you just have to go through some things. You have to be thrown into a pit. Why? Because he knows that there's great favor upon his life and there's a dream in him. And that dream's going to come true, but you're not ready to walk in the fulfillment of that dream yet. Come on, somebody. Amen. I want to help somebody this morning. God said he's given some of you a dream in your life. It's not over with just because what you're facing right now. It's not over with. No, he's just making us what we ought to be. <laughs> I said he's just making us what we ought to be. Amen. He wasn't done with Joseph. He said Joseph's of mine. He knew what Joseph was. He gave, he gave Joseph his name. Joseph's name means God will give increase. So every time they tried to set him back, God was giving increase in Joseph's life. Increase always came to him. Favor was always with him. No matter where it was at. You're in a pit, praise is going to come by and pull you out. Potiphar's wife accused you of, of, of sleeping with her. You're going to flee out of there. She's going to have your coat. You're going to go to prison. But even in prison, guess what? You're going to have the favor of God on your life. <laughs> well, Because it was all designed of God. We get there, we get sour, we get messed up, we get mad, we get angry, we cuss God, we do all these things. God, why you got me here? Well, I thank God that Paul and Silas didn't curse God whenever they were in the prison cell. Amen. But instead, they began to lift up praise and pray. And guess what? It set everybody free around there. Somebody's counting on you to praise God. Amen. You may not be here for you this morning. Maybe God's counting on you to praise God because somebody next to you sitting in shackles and in prison and they need you to praise God for them this morning. Amen. You see, God's trying to make us what we ought to be, but we can't get out of our own flesh and know that this suffering, why am I suffering? Because Jesus has counted me worthy to suffer. One of the most misused scriptures in the word is, God will not put too much on you that you cannot bear. That's a lie. That isn't what the scripture says. That isn't what the scripture says. But we've, we've made that up. Here's what Paul said. He said, don't be surprised. Don't, don't be surprised by what you're facing. And when this temptation is more than you can bear, God is faithful to make a way of escape. That's what he says. He don't say God will not put too much on you that you can't bear. No, he'll put more on you than you can bear. I promise you. 
He'll press you down. And then he says, you see that way right there? You can walk in it if you want to. <laughs> but he never said he'd lift it off, did he? He just said, I'll give you a way of escape. <laughs> but we, we believe, oh, God, God won't put more on me than he can bear. I'm like, yeah, I'm backing up from you. Yes, he will. <laughs> Why does he do that? Because he's trying to show us who he is. Don't, don't tell me God's God. <laughs> don't think that he can't do what he wants to do in our life. Amen. I, I don't want to tempt him in that. That's why we have to be burden bearers. Amen. When I was preaching Friday night, I had that cross. What does it mean to bear ye one another's burdens? I can tell you what that word bear means. It means to completely take all the pressure off of what somebody else is going through. That means you take it because I'm weary. When Simon of Siren came to Jesus, he took all the pressure of that cross off of him for a brief moment. He became his burden bearer. And if you don't have people in your life that will completely lift the pressure of your pain off of you, because there's only so much that you can take. Amen. There's only so much that we can take. God knows that. But God will break us because he's trying to make us what we ought to be. You see, God knew the outcome of Joseph's life. But God knew if I'm going to trust Joseph to be and stand before his brothers and not kill them, he could have killed them and they never would have known who Joseph was because they didn't have a clue who he was. So what was God doing? I can tell you, Miss Sherry, he was getting his character where he could trust him with anything. I got to get Joseph where I can trust him that he won't kill his brothers because I'm going to use him to take care of them. <laughs> I'm going to use him. Before every piece of property on this church, before the next piece opened up, can I tell you, there was always some fire. There was always some trial. God would never open up the next piece of this land until we fought hell. Can I trust you here? Whenever my name was slandered all over Facebook, false Facebook accounts, when my name was slandered, when people began to call me, when people began to write on there, I can't believe this is going on in this church. I got married in that church. I can't believe that crook would do that. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. My 10-year-old little son came home and said, Daddy and Mama, my best friend's parents want to know why you and Mama are stealing money from the church. I, didn't, I wanted to crawl in a hole and die. I didn't want to show my face. Because I said, that's who I used to be. And the devil tried to bring up my past and use it against me. But you see, Jesus counted me worthy to walk through that. And I can stand before you and say, that's one of the greatest victories in my life today. Because Jesus brought Jared Jenkins to a place that's probably as intimate and deep as I've ever been. Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know if my wife believed what was put on there about me. Here's what Jesus said to me. He said, Jared, he said, can you be okay if everybody, including your wife, thinks this is true? And I said, well, God, I don't know. He said, well, that's the place I got to get you where you don't care about what anybody thinks about you but me. You see, Paul said, when nobody stood with me, Christ was there. He said, everybody walked away from me. He said, my best friends abandoned me. He said, but Jesus stood with me. Let me tell you, if you've never been brought to that place to know that Jesus is the only one that will stand with you, he will get you there to that place. He counts us worthy. He knew 
that he had to complete a work in Joseph before he could use him to bring restoration. He had to restore Joseph's heart. He had to restore his character. He had to fit him. He had to render him. He had to mend what was broken. And then listen to this. Make one what he ought to be to put in order or to arrange. Can I tell you, some of us have a lot of things out of order. (laughs) We think we're right, but suffering will show you what's out of place. (laughs) Suffering will put things back in order. On the other side of that, Jesus said, now I can trust you. Now I'm going to put these things that have been disorganized, now I'm going to put them back in order for you. On the other side, that's what God does. He arranges things for our benefit and for his glory. And then I love this, it means to join together. Joseph, before he could be joined back together with his brothers, God had to make him what he was supposed to be first. So God is making you and I, through what you're going through, he's making us what we ought to be. Hallelujah. The second thing I want to tell you this morning is just give you the scripture to establish The first thing was to perfect. The second thing is to establish. This word establish means to make stable. It means to place firmly. It means to fix. It means to render constant. To make immovable. To solidify. To make sure. And to become steadfast. I don't know about any of y'all, but I can tell you this before Jesus... I was the most shaky individual that you've ever known. You couldn't count on me for nothing. I was so wishy-washy. You could count on me to do one thing, and that was to be wrong. Not be anything right. And so what does he do? He says, after you've gone through what you're going through, listen to me this morning, church. We have to understand that suffering is producing Christ in us. Thank God. He don't waste anything. Our God don't waste anything. The best is yet to come. He's establishing something within us. And on the other side of the trial, amen, thank God that we can look back and say it was worth it because I'm a different person for it today. I'm a different person. I can look back at the last 18 years of my life and think, man, I thank God for that. I thank God for that, amen. I can thank, I thank God for the things that he's taught me. I thank God that after 12 years I'm still married because there's no way, but that's the grace of God, amen? Because I can tell you marriage, amen, marriage will pull things out of you that nothing else in life will pull out of you. Amen, it just does. That's what it's designed for. Iron sharpens iron. Can I tell you, relationships and leadership in church, whenever you're close with somebody, things aren't always gonna be what it appears to be on Sunday morning. There's going to be times that are hard, amen, because iron sharpens iron. You have to have those relationships in your life, amen, unless two walk together, amen. We, we have to be agreed, amen, if we're going to walk together, but there's going to be times that we have disagreements, but on the other side of that, we can say, whoo, thank God, I made it through that, and now my character's different. I look more like Christ, and, and you don't recognize that, but other people will begin to say, man, Sister Amy, 
Amy never would have made it through that. Something's different about her life. And Jesus is making things steadfast in our life. He uses everything that we walk through. I remember many years ago, I was at Dunklin, and, and I remember thinking about the three Hebrew boys. I remember thinking about Daniel through the lion's den. and Think about my life and walking through things. And, and God spoke to my spirit one day, and he said, he said, them three Hebrew boys, he said, they had to walk through the fire. He said, Daniel, he had to go through the lion's den. And I said, why God? He said, because on the other side of that, I was going to establish something in their life. And that's what somebody needs to know this morning. You may not have chosen the fiery furnace, but you weren't willing to bow down to the foreign gods. And so because you were willing to suffer for God's name's sake, you went through the fire. But can I tell you, on the middle of that fire, the fourth man was in there with them. And can I tell you, something was established, not only in the middle of the fire, but on the other side of the fire. When old Neb came back the next day, he looked down in that fire and he said, oh, wasn't there three men in there? Now I see four. And the image of the fourth looks as of the Son of God. He said, weren't they bound? Now they're loose. Can I tell you, on the other side of that fire, there was something established. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I know now that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. He is God. And then the Bible says the counselors and the sheriffs and everybody that was watching on the front side of the fire, now on the other side of the fire, they knew then that their God was God also. And they rewrote the decree. Can I tell you something has to be established in the earth. Sometimes we have to go through times of suffering and trials and fires in this life so that the decree of this world can be established anew. And church, God is looking to you and I to rewrite the decrees of that life. Hallelujah. Something has to be established. Their God is God. Who's going to rewrite that? I can tell you what the government's trying to do right now. It's change all the laws. We just have to be willing to walk through the fire. People say, well, stand up and be a voice. Sometimes just say, well, I will. I'm not bowing down to that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they tell us to shut our doors again. I'm not doing that. I'm not a rebel. I'm not a rebel. No, no. I'm not a rebel. I'm just not doing what they tell me to do. You see, they've tried to condition the church. Come on, somebody. I said the last year proved the condition of the church. Amen. I, I can tell you this. They started shutting the church doors on Sunday nights. I can tell you that pulpit was already conditioned. <laughs> the pulpit was already conditioned to shut the doors. Amen. I can tell you that's what happens. The condition of the church was revealed in the last year and a half. Amen. They were ready to shut the doors. Oh, well, I was just waiting on the government to tell me I needed to quit anyway. That's why a lot of churches hadn't opened back up. Because the true condition of the church was really revealed. They're ready. We were already conditioning the people. Why don't you have Sunday night service? Well, nobody shows up anyway. Well, God didn't send us to this house for people. He sent us for him. If we're in it for people, then we're in it for the wrong thing because people leave you. They'll build you up, then they'll walk away. Amen. You know what I found out? I was reading the other day where David came in and played worship music for Saul. The demons went away whenever David was worshiping. The Bible says that Saul made him his armor bearer, found favor in his eyes. And I said, isn't it just like people? And gave him his daughter. I said, isn't it just like family, people we find favor with and people that we fight for? 
are the very ones that will abandon us in the end. <laughs> They'll hurt us the most. You stand before them, you help them out, demons flee off their life, your family to them. Next thing you know, they're behind you trying to stick you with a sword. <laughs> That's what happens every time. You, you got to know those that labor among you. People will hurt you. It don't matter what, what you've done good for them. I can promise you. Don't matter how long you've been there, Pastor. I promise you, they'll walk away in a heartbeat. Amen. It's part of what I'm saying this morning. If they'll do it for Jesus, they'll do it to us. Don't think that they won't. Amen. He wants to establish us. He wants us to make stable, to place firmly, to fix, to render constant. What did Daniel say? He said, I can tell you what. I was praying before you wrote this law. And so guess what? I'm going to do even after you write the law. <laughs> I, I, you throw me in the lion's den if you want to. But this is who I was before. It's who I'm going to be during. And it's who I'm going to be after. <laughs> it's just who I'm going to be. It's who I am. But what did God do? He established something greater on the other side of that. They came and they saw what? Daniel's God. He's what now? He is God. He is God. Can I tell you, somebody may never know you're who your God is until you get through the other side. Then God's going to establish things in the earth. The third thing I want to give you this morning is he said that he would strengthen us. I many of you need strength this morning? This word strengthen means spiritual knowledge and power. To make to stand, to establish a thing, to set in place, or to bring balance to. Hmm. You ever felt like your life was just out of balance, out of kilter a little bit? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. He said his life is out of kilter. He had his hand raised a while ago, praising God. He was looking at Daddy's hand. Listen to this. Ephesians 3, verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in all the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God wants to bring strength to us. He wants to establish something new on the inside of us. And how does he do that? He chooses suffering to bring that about in our life. <laughs> I can tell you this, sometimes... Sometimes we don't even know what we're capable of walking through. <laughs> Amen. You ever known that? You ever thought about this, that whenever you got born again, 
if God would have told you everything that you're going to have to walk through? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> hey, nope. Very <laughs> Uh, nope, squandered. Uh, <laughs> uh, nope. Uh, nope. No, God, I won't do that. <laughs> or if God would show us, hey, one day you're going to be a pastor. Uh, uh, nope. Uh, <laughs> or whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. There's no way that we would sign on the dotted line. And so that's why God don't put so much on us in the beginning. They're not going to require Baby Ridge to do some things that I got to do because he's not ready yet. But there are things that he does have to have a bedtime. He has to eat. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Precious babies. And so the spiritual life is just like this physical life. They mature and they grow. And so God takes into considerations. God's not going to ask Baby Ridge to do something that he's going to ask me to do. Are you with me? But where I am, he's going to ask me to do some things. So don't compare yourself what you see somebody else going through or even what you see them doing. Don't compare yourself. Because some people, this is all they are in the faith. And that's okay. That's okay. And they're, they're going to be required just to be what baby Ridge is. That's right. <laughs> You're going to help me preach for a long. And so, but then somebody that's a little bit more mature in Christ, their suffering may be a little bit greater. It may be a little bit more intense. Amen. You see, God's establishing things in the earth. And he's using his church to do that. Amen. And what is his desire? You know, a lot of us don't even know what we're capable of walking through. And on our own, we're not capable of walking through anything. But what is he really teaching us? The power of his grace. Because he's the God of all grace. And if we see this trial, there's no way we would enter it, Sister Karen. If you knew the loss of your dad, you'd have never walked through that door. But now that the trial came, death is going to come to all of us. Now death is here. Now I just have to walk through it. Right, Tyler? Lost mom, dad, whoever. Facing what you're facing right now with y'all's parents. You know, everything. People are going through suffering everywhere. There's no way that we would just say, whoo, give me that. Give me the death of my mom. Give me the death of my dad. Just give me that, God. Nobody in here would say, give me that. No we don't want that. Those things are an enemy to our flesh. They're an enemy to our flesh. They're an enemy to us. Oh, but they bring an eternal weight of glory to Christ. He says, oh, but I'm working something greater in you. You don't even know you're capable of walking through this, and you're not. But when you rely on me, then I'm faithful to bring you a little bit more and a little bit more. It's like grace. is, is You're in a tug of war, but I can tell you Jesus is fighting for you. And I just believe that that rope is just the grace of God. And we're just on the other side of grace. And he's saying, I know you can't do it, but I'm going to pull you through. I know you. Sometimes we set against it. We say, no, God, I don't want this. I don't want this. But Jesus is over here and he says I'm pulling you through you got a hold of grace and my grace is going to see you through this trial and I'm making you a new man oh when you get to the other side have you ever seen them little kids I remember Lakin was a little boy and they had that field day tug of war and I remember sitting there hollering for my little boy you can do it Lakin don't you give up now don't you quit now I just know our heavenly father's over of us and, and, and Jesus is interceding at the right hand of God and, and he's saying don't 
don't you quit now. Don't you quit now. I know you're ready to stop, but don't you quit now. And Jesus is pulling us, and we've got a hold of the grace of God, and we're saying, oh, but I'm tired, God. I'm weary, God. He said, don't you quit now. You're out at the verge of victory. Don't quit now. You're there. You're almost home. We're almost home. We're almost home. It's worth it. He's bringing strength to us. He's establishing things in us. He's working in our inner man. He's doing a great work in us. Romans chapter 5. Hallelujah. I don't know if I read this yet. I don't think I did, did I? Romans 5. Verse 2 says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Listen to this. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. I mean, right when you were ready to give up, Brother Ashley, Jesus said, I'd die for you. I'm here. He's establishing things in our hearts, things that we don't even know that we're capable of walking through. He's showing us by his grace that we can. Psalm chapter 105, verse 8. Speaks of Joseph. Psalm 105, verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 18. He said, Whose feet they hurt with fetters, and his soul was laid in iron. Everything that Joseph went through God was establishing his inner man to be strong. So they put his feet in fetters, but his soul became as iron. I'd never knew that scripture. But you know, even in our preaching, Brother Michael, God makes us new. People see the way we carry ourselves. God sees the way that we walk. And I remember going through a season, I don't know, three or four years ago, I had ministered at Pastor Lee's church one time, and this isn't a prideful thing at all, but because the couple times prior to that, I felt like I was very immature, just preaching, probably running, shouting loud. I still do that, but I think God has matured some places in my life, honestly. But I can tell you the maturation process comes through suffering. It comes through a lot of pain. It comes through betrayal. It comes through abuse. It comes through abandonment. You will suffer like Jesus because we're suffering for him. 
so that people may identify and see Christ. People in the world's watching how we handle our, our suffering. They're watching. They want to know. And so I remember preaching a message, and, and it was a prophetic word. Pastor Lee had just walked through his brother-in-law leaving, his sister leaving. They were very hurt. And the Lord gave me a word. And I remember being scared to death, just digging the ditches, and God fighting that battle. There wasn't blood in that river, but the sun shined just right on that water. And the enemy fled because they thought that they saw blood. Sometimes you just have to dig ditches in faith and that God will fill the valley. He said, you won't see rain, you won't see wind, but I will fill the ditches. There's times God just needs us to dig ditches in faith and trust that God is going to use that to destroy our enemy. And that's what you do a lot of times. And so I remember Sister Robin Shear, she came to me and she just, I didn't know who it was. I was praying in the altar and she spoke this scripture. She said, I have a word for you. She said, God has put iron in your soul. And she said, you're not going back to what you once were. Iron in the soul causes you to walk different. It causes you to lead different. It causes you to talk different. Iron in our soul. Well, how did soul, how did iron get in Joseph's soul? Through suffering. But God was establishing. Whenever Joseph would stand before his brothers and when Pharaoh would call him to stand before him, can I tell you, he changed his garment before he stood before the king. There was soul. There was iron in his soul. Can I tell you, the church needs iron. In her soul, the mind, will, and the emotions of the church is very flaky, very flimsy. And can I tell you, we allow soulless realms to influence our life. We can be swayed in the soul, and we need to have iron that is within our soul. Amen. And so Joseph got to a place in in every trial and every trouble and every place. But God was strengthening Joseph's life and he was establishing iron in his soul. And he was giving him spiritual knowledge and power and authority. He was causing him to stand and he was establishing a thing. You see, he had to be ready for the palace. But in order to be ready for the palace, he had to go through the pit. He had to go through Potiphar's house and the false accusations and he had to be willing to go to prison and be who God called him to be even in the prison because it was there that the baker and the butler said, hey, and they told Pharaoh, there's a God down there that can interpret this dream. But imagine if he had been flaky in prison. Imagine if he wouldn't have been a man after God's heart in prison. They never would have called him forth, amen? But let me tell you, whatever you're facing in life, can I tell you this morning, church, that some Somebody needs you. Somebody needs you to be faithful in your trial. Somebody needs us to be faithful in the middle of our suffering. I can tell you as your pastor, I need this church to be faithful in the middle of whatever we're fighting. We're not fighting this thing individually. That's why the Bible says so much more as you see the day approaching. Do we need to meet together? Why is that? Because the closer to the coming of the Lord is the same to the closer of cross of Christ. When he got closer, people began to get weary. They begin to fall asleep. They begin to walk away. And can I tell
tell you it's the same as it will be at the coming of Christ. Amen. That's why the church needs to come together all the more. Amen. We need one another. I need you. But can I tell you God is establishing and God is strengthening and God is setting things in place for the rapture of the church. Amen. I just need to tell somebody this morning what you're facing, what you've been fighting. God has given you a new strength in your life and that you didn't think you could make it through when you get to the other side. You're going to say glory to God. Look at what he's done. I'll close with this. Whoever's going to play, would you come? He wants to settle us. The last thing I want to tell you, he wants to settle you. This word settle means to lay the foundation, means to lay the groundwork, and it means to begin again. Whew. You ever felt like you just need a new beginning sometimes? <laughs> I'm ready to start over. Can I tell you, sometimes after suffering, you can just start over. But it's like a newness of life. It's just new. It's just new. And I thought about Peter. In John 21. John 21. In Matthew 16, Jesus said to Peter, Upon this rock I'll build my church. Peter's name means the rock or stone. He wasn't saying literally on Peter, but on this rock. His name means the rock. You see, Jesus knew that on the day of Pentecost that Peter would be the one to preach. But he knew that he had to settle some things in Peter's life. He had to lay a foundation. Jesus knew that in Matthew chapter 16 that when he said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, he knew that Peter wasn't ready for it then. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus may have given you insight to what you'll be and what you'll do, but you may not be ready for it yet. And can I tell you, sometimes we can help God out because in the middle of a lot of trials, a lot of us run from that. And we keep going around the mountain time and time and time again. We never go through the fire. We keep trying to run back out of the fire. And sometimes we just have to trust the process of God. So Jesus knew what Peter's life would be. I love what Brother David said the other day. Boy, it taught me so much. He said Job was going to need Job's wife's womb again. <laughs> Because Job's wife would bring forth double the children that they had in the beginning. And he said also about Peter. He said Jesus was going to need Peter to preach on the day of Pentecost. So we couldn't just cut him down and cut him out. We do that a lot of times. We cut people off. But that's going to end up being the very people that we need. You see, Eliab, when David ran down to face Goliath, Eliab ran to him and said, well, who do you think you are to come here? But if you look at a little bit later, a few chapters, in the cave of Adullam, who was there? Eliab. And who joined David's army? Eliab. See, we cut people out whenever they hurt us. We may not have nobody to fight for us. <laughs> you see, Eliab ended up joining David's army, even though he was against him in the beginning. Some people that may oppose you and do wrong to you may be the very people that end up fighting for you one day. So be careful how you treat people just because you're suffering. The Bible says, touch not God's anointed and do his prophets no harm. 
Just because pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets say things or do things, they're under the leadership of the Holy One. And just because somebody leads in a way, be careful not to touch it. Be careful. Because one day they may be the very people that pray you through. They may be the very people that are there to fight for you. And if we've touched them and hurt them and cut them out, then guess what? You'll be a lonely person and you'll die a lonely life. So he was settling some things in Peter's life. He, he knew what was in him. So the Bible says Peter went fishing and he took those 11 with him. But verse 15 says, So when they had turned and they had died, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto them, Then feed my sheep. He said it the second time, and then verse 17, he said it the third time. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? Isn't it just like us to get mad when Jesus is trying to establish something in us? Imagine if Peter would have said, he's already asked me this two times. I'm not telling him again. Come on. Because we do that. Why did he ask him three times? Because Peter spoke three times. He denied him. And every time Peter denied him, he was speaking a curse over his life and a stronghold was established. A curse. Look it up in the Greek. He was cursing himself and he was cursing what he was saying because there's power and death in what? The tongue. So he was speaking a curse over his own life. He was prophesying over his own life. I don't know him. And so why did Jesus have to say to him three times, do you love me more than these? Because he was establishing a new covenant with Peter. He was settling. He had to settle something in Peter's life. Peter, do you love me more than these? You said you did before, but you really didn't. And I had to show you that you didn't, Peter. And so I need to break this curse off of you that you've spoke negatively and and prophesied negative things over your own life. And so now, Peter, I need to establish and I need to settle you. I need to lay a firm foundation. I'm ready to start over with you, Peter. I know you went back fishing, but I need to know, do you love me more than these? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, then feed my sheep. Very, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, Thou girded thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou would go. Can I tell you that Peter on the day of Pentecost rose up and he preached and 3,000 were saved. Can I tell you it's not over until God says it's over. Some of you may have went back fishing today, but I can tell you Jesus is here today to settle everything. Jesus is here today, I'm telling you, right in the middle of your suffering, and he said he's counted you worthy to suffer for him. That he's doing something in the middle of that. And it's not over until God says that it's over. The best is yet to come. We need to be awakened by grace. And this morning, as Brother Seth leads us, if you desire to be awakened by grace, you would say, Pastor, that's me. 
I don't know really what's going on, but I just know that in the insides of me, I'm shook. I'm just shook. Can I tell you, I've, a lot of times I've not been able to put my finger on when I'm in the middle of suffering. I can't tell you what it is. I just know something's not right. I feel discombobulated. Anybody ever been there? I just feel stirred. I feel shook. I feel out of sorts. Because you are. And God's putting things back in place. So this morning, would you stand with me all over this house?